A couple of weeks ago, we, John spoke about, not, we can't serve two masters, spoke about finances, that we can't have finances own us. Um, and then Andrew last week, if you haven't got hold of the message or listened to it, I would highly recommend it. I'd, I'd strongly encourage you to work that message through, that we are slaves of Christ. Um, it's, it's really something that you hear being taught in churches, that we are his slaves, but we are. Scripture is quite clear, that we now no longer belong to us ourselves. We belong to him. We are his. And so we are slaves to a master, to our Lord. Um, and it was just beautiful to see it in Scripture. It was clear um, and actually very encouraging to know that we belong to him. <laughs> we are his. We're not our own. Um, and interesting is, without us pre- planning it, without us preparing it, without us speaking about it, God spoke to John about the concept of two masters. Then Andrew comes, not knowing what was taught, and shares that he's our master. <laughs> so there's clearly a, a pattern. <laughs> there's clearly a, a, a line, a golden thread that God is weaving. And we as a church need to wake up to that. We need to be awake to what the Spirit is speaking and position ourselves to obey and to hear what he's saying. Um, why are you here? Why are you sitting here the last two, three weeks? Why are you here today? It's because God is at the unique purpose and a plan for this very moment. And so he's speaking to us, he's preparing us, and we need to listen. And I want to carry on with that and speak about the pattern of our master. So he spoke that Jesus is our master, but he's got a plan, he's got a pattern. And we need to live according to that pattern from our master. So I don't know um, if any of you lived in the uh, 1890s, probably more this section here. Um, I was born in the early 80s, and one of the unique things of being born in the early 80s is you didn't go to Mr. Price to buy clothes. There was no Mr. Price. Your mom made you clothes. Any of you know that experience? Your mom would buy material at a fabric shop or fabric, and she'd get that, and there would be enough for two tracksuits. So you and your sister, you're getting the same tracksuit. So all the family photos are us in the same tracksuits, uh, homemade items. So my mom was quite skilled. Imagine, eh? Imagine that. What you're getting for Christmas is a tracksuit made from your mother. That's what, that's what we got for Christmas. <laughs> it was quite special. So sometimes what would happen is my mom was quite skillful when it comes to making clothes. And sometimes life was just busy and she couldn't get to because you had to cut out the pattern. You remember those? That it's like a little pattern thing you've got to cut out, and then there's the needles, and you've got to stick that onto the clothes, and you cut it out. Um, and normally that pattern gives you a good design of how the top needs to be. But sometimes you want to find a shortcut. And my mom would just put a top on a piece of material and cut it out. And guess. <laughs> but when she guessed, you get stuff like this, you know? Or you get your tops and the, all the sleeves are too short. Or you want to put on the top, but you can't because the hole here for the head is too small. And then she's got to rework it. Any of you lived in those days know what I'm talking about? Good old times. So the key thing there is there's a pattern, and you've got to work according to the pattern. If you're not going to work according to the pattern, things aren't going to look right. They won't work. They won't fit. So you've got to submit to the pattern to get the right result. 
The problem is today, most, in most churches, most Christians actually across the world live like this. Have you ever seen the tailor? You go and you get your suit. They make it according to a pattern, but then they try and fix it and cut it to fit the person. And God's got a pattern. And the danger is that we try and tweak his pattern to fit ourselves. And that's dangerous. We need to fit ourselves according to his pattern. We can't tailor make the pattern. He's got a pattern. He's the master. He's got a specific pattern. So the pattern shouldn't be tailored to fit our lives. Our lives should be transformed according to the pattern. And so therefore, we need to know what is the master's pattern for our lives. As a local church and as individuals, what is his pattern? And then we transform our lives and we submit our lives according to that. Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So, okay, cool. So the world also has a pattern. So the world has a pattern and our master has a pattern. You see it throughout Scripture. There was a way that they had to carry the Ark of the Covenant. There was a way that Noah had to build his ark for 90 years. Huh? <laughs> I was that for obedience. You flip from one page to the other and you think, wow, Noah built an ark. 90 years. Yeah, that's like, so if people start mocking you, it's like, yeah, that, <laughs> after 30 years, like, hey, maybe you guys are right. I'm still busy here. It's like, that's radical obedience. But there was a very specific pattern that Noah had to yield to and build the temple. And throughout the scripture, you see that God has a very unique pattern in the plan. So does the world. And we read it in Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word conform them, the Greek word, is suskamatizo. That's where we get the word schema. Or if you translate it, it's schema. Schematics. So, I'm not too clued up with any electronical stuff, but apparently you get schematics, which is like a diagram. Any engineers here? Is that right? You get a diagram, and it shows you all the different components and how these components need to connect in order to get the radio. So the radio is a form, it's, 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 got a, it's, a, it's a device, and in order for this device to work properly, you've got to make sure that all the components are, corrected, are, are correctly aligned and connected according to the schematics. So this word conform is similar to that of schematics. So we've got a very specific way that God has purposed us to live, the schematics. And we need to make sure that the world doesn't mess up our schematics. Because the problem is, if our schematics gets messed around, we can have a form of godliness, look like the radio, but not work properly, deny the power. And there's a culture, there's a word, world that is sometimes subtly and sometimes right in your face. W. Right in your face. If, you, if you're shopping, then you know what I'm speaking about. Sometimes it's right in your face and it's trying to indoctrinate us and trying to get a narrative in our minds, in our lives, in our children and create a culture that messes up our schematics and then we want to worship God, but we actually look more like the world than like Jesus. Or we look at church, and the church says, let's gather together on a Wednesday. And you think, no, this is going to mess up my schematics. Like Herod said. Like, oh, I'm going to fit this in. And then you make sure you don't conform to the world, but you transform 
And Harit yielded to his master. And what happened? Supernatural ability to do the will of God. But when we hear and our schematics are all messed up, we're like, oh, how is this going to work? We just didn't yield to our master. And if we do that, we live in the power of God's will. He has a testimony. A man that shared a testimony. He has every reason to justify why he can't. Yet when he yielded, he saw the supernatural strength of God come through. And he's testified here. Here's a man that testified of the blessing of it. The blessing of it. So we need to make sure the world doesn't get all this narrative and all the nonsense they're trying to push down our throats. We need to be aware and wage war against that. And take a firm stand. And make sure we're in the Word of God, that the Word of God renews our minds. Because we don't want to be conformed to that pattern. We want to be conformed to His pattern. I'm going to tell you there's a pattern for our lives. There's a pattern for how we walk out salvation. There's a pattern for ministry. Ministry shouldn't be done separate from the church. It's through the church. There's a clear pattern in Scripture. Don't see it's through the church. There's a pattern for our marriages. There's a pattern for our parenting. If you adjust the schematics, you'll end up having a form of godliness without the power, without his truth. The world teaches us, you have rights. Women rights, human rights, children's rights, cat rights. There's rights for every single thing. Speak your truth, live your truth. That's the world's narrative. So if we incline our ear, that will become part of our schematics. But we shouldn't be conformed to that. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have no right. I live for Him. I belong to Him. So I have the privilege to yield my rights and serve Him, surrender. See, the world teaches independence. You make the decisions. For the Christian, we yield our independence and say, Lord, you make the decisions. I obey you. I follow you. I follow you. And it's, it's for three weeks now God is hammering this thing. Why? Because if you look at the narrative of the world, it's coming strong. You live your way. Speak your truth. Live your truth. You decide. The government decides. No. My Lord decides. And I'll search in the scripture and renew my mind that I would make sure my semantics is more and more into the very nature of Jesus so that I can reflect Him and have a form of godliness and also have the power. Amen. So let's look at Paul's, oh, the, the word they transformed. They transform is where we get the word metamorphos. Um, it's metamorpho. And it just doesn't mean to transform from another kind. It actually refers to the word transfigured, which means transformed into something beautiful and more elevated. As we renew our minds, we are being transformed into His image. There's nothing greater. So what is the pattern? And I want to, and the reason why I'm piggybacking on this as well is um, we had Brad Verena. He leads the church, Oxygen Life, um, in Kiwi. And they partnered with us within 412. And Scripture says one of the patterns we see in the New Testament is that the church devotes itself to the apostles' teaching. And so he came and he shared a bit about this pattern. So for me, a wise decision won't be to try and teach my favorite pet topic. 
I need to listen to what the Spirit is saying and try and build where the apostolic is building. So I'm doing this as an example, but also because I feel the Lord has laid my heart to do this. And so I'm devoting myself to the apostle teaching. And there's a teaching that one of the base notes, if you listen to what Andrew shared last week, is let's be aware of the world by teaching us to be independent. We make the decisions. And so we need to war against it and say we surrendered to our Lord, we are obeying Him, and we're following His pattern. Um, so he's speaking, that's the schematics, he spoke about a pattern that we see in Scripture. And Paul had this pattern. And if you read all the epistles, and there's, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to share with you something. And when you go do studying and you read through the epistles, you would see that pattern right there as you read, everywhere. Because that's what happened to me. I started reading the, the, the epistles with a new grid because I realized there's a pattern throughout the epistles, throughout the New Testament, which is clear as daylight. And so that's my hope, is to give you the pattern, the grid that Paul thought, that Paul lived. And then as we read Scripture, we see the same pattern. So Paul says, yeah, follow my example. Follow my way of life. In Philippians 3 verse 17, it says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So Paul is saying at times, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and following him. But also keep your eyes on the model, the pattern that we are teaching and showing you how to live. Because there's a blessing in that. There's a, there's a purpose of God in that. That word, um, example, joined together in following our example is the word topos, or typos. That's where you get the picture of a typewriter. Yeah, I'm getting all the old examples here. Parents' clothes and typewriter. <laughs> a typewriter was like the old school computer. <laughs> And it had these little um, cast iron arms. If you pressed the button, it would... And it would hit um, the letters on a piece of page. And whatever was on the edge of that cast iron, if you press it, it would imprint that image on the piece of paper. And he's saying, follow our example. Make sure that this imprint is everywhere you go. Get the imprint on you, our example, and then do the same. Follow our example. So what is the imprint? And the question is, what is? What is the thing that gets imprinted on the lives of people in this world when you are sharing, when you are living? What is, what is your imprint? What is your imprint? And so we need to make sure that our imprint is the pattern that we see here in Scripture. Paul then writes in 2 Timothy 3 verse 10, follow our way of life. You've heard my teaching and now you've seen my way of life. Teach that. So he's telling Timothy, teach our teaching, the teaching that you heard from me, and the way of life that you saw, the imprint, the typos that you saw. Teach that to others. And then 1 Corinthians 4 verse 17, you see that at the bottom there. He says that, Timothy, I'm going to send him to you because he will teach you my way of life. My typos. He will give you the same imprint. Romans 6 or 17 to 18, it says, But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. So the pattern, again, the disciples. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And so you've got to follow that pattern. Make sure your life is 
yielded to that pattern. So what is the pattern? I think I've established that there is a pattern, right? <laughs> so what is the pattern? Let's see this pattern in Paul's life. So in Acts 26, verse 14 to 18, Paul speaks about his conversion, the day he gets saved. So Paul was a man that persecuted the church, didn't like the church, and now he meets Jesus. And then he speaks about this encounter. We read from verse 14. I'm going to read through a lot of scriptures, so just bear with the next 10 minutes. We're going to go through scripture, which I think is fantastic. Because I, want, I don't want you to follow something because we've said it. I want you to see it in scripture. And then so I see it there. I'm hearing it from your teaching. I'm seeing it in your lives. Now I'm going to yield myself to this as well. Because it's his pattern. And this pattern that Paul is going to speak about now, essentially you receive from God. So it's God's pattern. It's God's pattern. And then Paul, through the, um, the, the, the what do you call him in the Holy Spirit, um, empowered them to write scripture. Um, inspired, eh? That's the word. Inspired under the Holy Spirit, he wrote this. 14, and when he had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. But rise, stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to point you as a servant and a witness to these things. So Jesus is speaking to him and saying, you will be a servant to this, you'll serve this, and you'll be a witness. You'll tell others of this. Um, to the things in which you have seen me and those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you, to open their eyes. So he's going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to open their eyes, so that, so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness for their sins. So there's the first thing. That's the first thing of the pattern. Forgiveness of sins. He's going to preach the gospel, which is restoration to God. You were once dead in your sin, separated from God, but because of his death on the cross, you've now, if you accept him as Lord and Savior, you are reconciled. Your sins are forgiven, and you're reconciled to God. That's the first thing. Secondly, So you will tell them, so you will go to open their eyes to speak to them that they've received forgiveness and that they have a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So he's going to tell the Gentiles, listen, you were considered the scum of the earth, but I'm coming to tell you that Jesus has come to die for you. There's forgiveness for your sin, but there's also a place within the people of God. And so the two-part pattern that we see here that Jesus introduces Paul to, and you'll see it through all these epistles, is you've been restored to a living God, your sins are forgiven, and you've been placed into a family, a church. And his whole life's mission was to bear witness and to serve this, the teaching and the pattern. You've been restored to God, and you've been placed in a family. And I will go, and I'll point you to Jesus, and I'll point you to his body. And that is the pattern. Point you to Jesus, point you to his body. And then you do the same. And you would point others as you go. And you point them to Jesus and you point them to the body. Because God wants to put the lonely into family. His purpose is to extend his kingdom through the church. And many churches only teach this. 
And it's a half a pattern. It's a half a schematic. Paul, when he, I'm going to read through Ephesians in a short while. When he wrote the book of Ephesians, he was in prison. And he taught the gospel to the Gentiles. Not just that Jesus saves them, but that Jesus also puts them into a family. And he was in prison for teaching the gospel, the good news, that Jesus saves us, but he also puts us into a church, into a, into a body that we need to participate in. So let's quickly see how he then shares this throughout Scripture. In one Thessalonians, let's try again. In one Thessalonians, yes. In one Thessalonians five, verse eight to eleven. See this pattern. Now you've seen this. You've heard this pattern, eh? That. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. And the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not point us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died, is it, for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. There's a gospel. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. You see the pattern? Okay? As you read the epistles, you constantly see this. You've, you were once dead in your trespasses. You've made life in Christ. Now encourage one another. Now serve one another. Now there's gifts. You see the book of Romans where he unpacks how we've been saved. And then there's how we should serve one another in the local church. Constantly these two things. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 4 to 10. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you've been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. There's the gospel again, into fellowship with his son. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in one mind and thought. Once again, upward, the vertical, the gospel, and then no divisions among you. Then there's the horizontal. Here's the pattern. Up, down. Ephesians 1. We're just going to run through a couple of more scriptures, and then I'll wrap it up. Ephesians 1, from verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy, blameless in his sight. In love he predestined for us adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with with his pleasure and will. So now he's establishing them in their identity, right? Sharing the gospel, establishing them in their identity. To the praise and glorious grace, which he has freely given to us, the ones he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. He lavished his grace upon us. And yet, sir, vertical again. 
the good news, the gospel. I'm pointing you to Jesus. And you, and now he's writing to the Ephesians. These were Gentiles. These weren't Jews. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. So he's saying that you've heard the message of truth, Gentiles. Now you're included in Christ. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, um, I'm at verse 13 now, sorry, from verse 13, going to verse 14. When you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who deposited a guaranteeing your, our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. So he's saying that here's the gospel, and now you've been included in God's plan. Then we go to Ephesians 2, verse 2 to 9. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. There's a gospel. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that any man can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So he's pointing them to Jesus, upward. And now it comes with the horizontal, verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens in God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets which Christ Jesus himself has achieved cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God's Spirit will live. So it's upward, and it's pointing them to the body. Saying that you were once strangers, you were alien and aliens to God. There was no way for you to be restored to living God. But now you are restored to him, but also to the people of God. And there's this pattern. We need to point people to him, but also to one another. But not just point them. We need to yield ourselves to this pattern where we give ourselves to him and to one another and to his body. And in doing so, we reflect something of Jesus. In doing so, what is, the Bible says, they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. Jonah and Mariette, are you guys here? I know you're serving. Maria, quickly come forward. Jono, he's, I think he's hearing the, mic, the speakers. I think he's getting cold. I saw him in the coffee shop. Yeah, there. <laughs> uh, so, this couple, quickly stand here. And I want to honor this couple, but I also want to show something of when your schematics are wrong, what you experience in your life and when you transform your schematics. The benefit, when you give yourself to the pattern, what happens? I met with John about two and a half years ago. We had coffee. 
And he told me he'll never leave the community again. That's not going to happen. <laughs> he barely came to Sunday meetings. <laughs> he didn't attend the community because he said, how can I fit that into my life? I've got a busy schedule. I've got work to do. I can't fit that into my life. I, how do you expect that of me? And he told me that he doesn't think, because he was, he was radically following Jesus, and then things spiraled down. He told me, I don't think God wants me to live the way I did. I think God wants me to live a different way now. Okay? That's an odd statement <laughs> for a slave. <laughs> you see what happened? The world, he, he conformed. He, he got his schematics wrong. And I couldn't see how the things fit in. He had a different worldview because his schematics came. And that, that because his schematics was wrong, his worldview, his outlook on life and on church was different because it wasn't formed by Christ. It was formed by this world and about his preferences. So that's our conversation. You think, oh, Lord, you need to do something. <laughs> you need to do something. And then God touched him. They were both here at church celebrating their 40th birthdays. On the day of their 40th birthdays, he was here the Sunday. Are you here? Because he had a prayer meeting on a Tuesday night, on a 40th birthday, with a kid. They're completely different <laughs> to what they were. I mean, I can still understand celebrating your 40th year, because it's lacking, and it's like a party. But to come to a prayer meeting with a small group of people on a cold, rainy night, that's a whole different story of devotion and commitment. Something changed. Something changed. They didn't look like it was killing them. There was a joy in them. There's a joy in them. If you speak, they're leading a community now. They said they will never. Or Joel Jonah said. <laughs> he will never. But there was something as he started to yield. Herod testified about it as well. As he started to yield, as he started getting his schematics wrong, his whole outlook and his worldview started to shift and change. Because he's yielding to the master. And he was being transformed by the renewing of his mind. And it's, con it's a constant progression. But something shifted as he yielded, as he yielded to his Lord and he allowed the Holy Spirit to sanctify him. And so I want to honor you guys. I want to honor you guys because you're a beautiful testimony of someone that has surrendered their lives. You hear him speak now. It's a different narrative than two and a half years ago. His work didn't change. They're demanding lives. Didn't change nothing. Because many times you think, oh, you probably got demoted. Now you, that's why you're coming to church more often. You've lost your friends. He's actually made more friends by giving himself more. There's, there's, there's a life that they're tasting because they are yielding. Constantly yielding. Daily immersing themselves in the passion from God. Giving themselves to Jesus and to his church. You can't just do the one. You can't just do the one. Because this is a social club. You need Jesus. But if you're really pushing into Him, and you're allowing Him to transform you, you'll have a deep love for His body. Because it's His body. You're not having, I can't just have a relationship with Vizaldi's head. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Give them a hand. Well done.
I can't just have a relationship with the Zaldi Z. I've got a relationship with her. And if you're having a relationship with the head, Jesus, then it's got to flow out with a deep, radical passion for his body. A radical passion. I'm passionate about this because I believe God is wanting to wake up his church to this. Where we give ourselves. So when we see, even the pattern is in, in Acts. When the church was birthed and the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were devoted to the apostle teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, to one another. Devoted to him and to one another. You see the pattern. Peter, when he writes, you see the pattern. So we need to heal ourselves to the purposes of the, the people, the church God has placed us in. We give ourselves. We give ourselves to prayer meeting because we want to follow the pattern. And you're thinking, how am I going to ever get that right? Well, you heard a testimony of someone that said there's supernatural ability and strength. That comes as you start to heal. Sometimes it feels like, oh, what God requires of us is so difficult. It's too high. It's too lofty. How will we ever attain? Yes, this, this master of ours is a bit ridiculous in terms of what he requests of us, what he demands of us. It might be a high calling, but there's a lot of grace. There's a lot of supernatural ability that he gives with that call. And why is it important that we once again get passionate about this? He saved us. Once we were not a people. We were dead in our transgressions. We were alienated. Many churches preach, if you come to Jesus, you'll have a better life. I've never experienced a better life. I've experienced life. I've experienced life. Sometimes I, I, I pray for a better life. But I've experienced life. What a better line. And they teach, if you come, you'll have a purpose and a destiny. Sure thing. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is not a better life, a purpose, a destiny, a better you. The gospel is I was alienated from God because of my sin. And he died for my sin so that I can be restored into a living relationship with God. Because my sin kept me away. I've been justified. Justified is just as if I've never sinned. And now I can be in right standing with the living God. And because of that, I can experience life and joy. And there's benefits to that. But the gospel, the good news, is you can be restored to your maker, to the living God. And we need to get passionate about this again. We need to, the Bible says, um, David prays, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Many times we pray and we've got the sinking because of the, the world. Restore the joy of my salvation. You don't have a salvation. He has the salvation. He saves. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He saves. And I've got the benefit of that. But restore again to us the joy of your salvation. I heard recently about a traditional church. We still need to make sure about all the facts. But it does sound like this traditional church has had an issue with an altar call at a school that told the kids there's only one way to the God. It's Jesus. They felt that infant baptism needs to play a role in that. You can't tell people there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. There's infant baptism as well. I'm thinking, oh, man. Oh, man, we need to get passionate about the good news, the true gospel. The true gospel. We need to get passionate about that. Amen? So on that note. So can I get Kovic if he can come and play?
So there's a pattern. And my question as we land this message is what is the pattern in your life? And I want to maybe suggest a couple of practical things that you can do. Immerse yourself in this pattern. You heard testimonies. You saw a story about a couple that lives are transformed because they've got to deal. Yield and immerse yourself in the pattern from our master. Paul says, follow me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me. You received it from Christ, but there's a pattern throughout his whole message and the epistles. Let's imitate that. Let's yield to it. Let's give us up. Get stuck in. Just get stuck in. And then I want to encourage you. Think about how your life is going to look different because you're allowing this pattern in. Husbands and wives, chat about what are we going to do different to make sure that we see this imprint on our lives, that we see this pattern. His pattern needs to become my passion. And as married couples, speak about how his pattern will become your passion. And lastly, make the necessary adjustments. Spend time in his word, spend time in the spirit, and make the necessary adjustments. It does feel like God is wanting to wake us up to more. That we will point people to him and to one another, and that we will be passionate about him and his body. Amen? Can you stand to our feet?